As Christians, we are all about Jesus, and so every week we go to the Scriptures because it's there that the person and work of Jesus is most clearly revealed. Our text this morning is from Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 3. Hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning to you uh, at home online with us. Uh, my name is Brandon, uh, one of the pastors here at uh, at Sojourn Heights. Welcome to our second ever official gathering in our new sanctuary. I know that in March we did not expect this to be the second gathering uh, in the sanctuary, but not much in 2020 has been what we expected. We're beginning a uh, new series today, five-week series that we're calling A Meaningful Presence. We're, we're asking in a season like this, in the midst of a pandemic that's still going on, in the midst of racial tension and injustice, in what will be, what will be a divisive election season that is kicking off. What does it look like? What does it look like to live with a meaningful presence with one another and with our neighbors? And here's how we are approaching the series. In the book of Ephesians, there's uh, this section that gives these because a series of one statements. It, it says that there is one Lord and one faith and one hope and one baptism, one God and Father of all. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at each of these one statements, a passage with these one statements, and we're going to let these one statements inform what it means for us as a church, as a community, as we're gathering back together in person. What does it mean? What does it look like to have a meaningful presence with one another and with our neighbors? Because the book of Ephesians was written to show how the gospel unites a divided people, a people divided from every nation under the sun, united in one gospel, into one people, the church, who then work for the renewal of the world. And this week, we're beginning with one God and Father. So let me set it up like this. Um, if, I'm, if I'm somewhere and, and I'm given, being given a formal introduction, and, and they say to me, hey, how should we introduce you? I say, tell, tell them that I'm a pastor, a husband, and a dad, because those are the main things that I do. In, in Ephesians 1, the, the text that um, uh, Dodds just read, uh, Paul gives God a sort of title, if you will. He says he's God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Introduces God as Father. And here's why that matters, because in the middle of our passage, Paul uses a word a word that 
Um, theologian commentators all over will say that this word is the crescendo of what happened to you when you became a Christian. That when you went from not being a Christian to being a Christian, the crescendo of what happened to you is this word, and it's the word adoption. Adoption. And so here's what we're going to do today. Um, we're we're going to look at the word adoption, and we're going to ask four questions. Four questions, all in the next 17 or 18 minutes, I promise. But here they are. Adoption, what is it? Where does it come from? Why do we need it? And what kind of presence does it lead to? So, let's start with what is it? What is adoption? Um, well, the, the word that is used here for adoption, uh, it, it means to make you a son or to give you the position of a son, uh, which is why almost every theologian out there will say, if you want to understand this word, if you understand what Paul meant by this word, you, you need to know both the Old Testament background, the Israel background, and you need to know the Roman cultural backdrop to the word as well. And so let's talk Israel first. When it comes to Israel, the backdrop of this word is the Exodus. The Exodus was the uh, event where Israel was enslaved in Egypt and then God delivered them out of the slavery. And in chapter 4, Exodus 4, it, 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 God calls Israel his firstborn son. My firstborn son. And then in Hosea 11, 11 one, looking back on the Exodus, this is what it says. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But Israel was redeemed from slavery as a son. So here's the point. There is a redemption to adoption. Adoption is a sort of redemption, a form of redemption. But there's also the Roman cultural backdrop. And in Rome, adoptions didn't exactly work the way that they work in our uh, day here. Generally speaking, when we think of adoption here, it, it, adoptions most often happen to children, young children. Uh, but in Rome, it, it was generally adoption of adults. And so the way that it worked was you would have um, somebody who was rich who, uh, who didn't have an heir but didn't want his estate broken up. And so he would find a young man, generally a young man that he respected, and he would say, hey, you know, I, I want you to become my son. I want you to have my son so that you can have everything that I have. It can get passed down to you. I want you to be my son so you can have my inheritance. See, adoption, it wasn't just a redemption. Adoption was a redemption with an inheritance. And this is what Paul is talking about. What Paul is talking about, what happened to you in Christ, he is saying you have a redemption with an inheritance. A redemption with an inheritance. Now, why, why does it say adoption as sons and not adoption as sons and daughters? Right? That, that, that it, it seems like it should be more inclusive. Why adoption as sons, not adoption as daughters? Well, let me, let me tell you what's going on. In, in Paul's day, what, what he says here when he, when he doesn't say, um, hey, uh, this adoption is for the men only, this would have been radically countercultural. Because in this day, uh, women didn't get an inheritance. And so when Paul says, uh, what you have in Christ, the redemption and inheritance that you have in Christ uh, is for all, men and women alike without distinction, he is making what would have been a radically countercultural statement. 
saying that there is no distinction between men and women when it comes to what you have in Christ. The inheritance is for you, all of you. You see, there are times when the Bible, uh, to communicate theological truth, biblical reality, that the Bible calls the entire church, women included, sons. And in order to communicate theological truth and biblical realities, there are times when the Bible calls the entire church, men included, brides. Adoption is a redemption with an inheritance. Men and women, inheritance in Christ without distinction. So, question two, where does it come from? Well, look at the end of verse four. Uh, at the end of verse four, most of your translations, um, th- there's going to be a period at the very end of the verse and then two words that say, in love. So, at the end of verse four, this is what it says. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Uh, see that phrase, in love? The, the, the preposition that he uses in there, it matters. It matters because what, what it does um, I'm very tempted to go arrow, draw some things out in my hands right now to, to graph it out for us. I'm going to. Um, p- picture like this object over here and an arrow over here. And, and what it does, it's saying from over here, motivated by love, compelled by love, with love, because of his love, predestined for adoption. What Paul is saying here is that uh, it, that out of the love of the Father, you have been predestined for adoption. And I know that the word predestined in there is a complex word. Uh, it's hard to really know what it means, and I don't have time to go into all of the nuances of it right now. Uh, but if I could, let me try to summarize what Paul is saying in this phrase, in love predestined for adoption. This is what Paul is saying. Motivated by love. Love sitting in the eternal heart of God the Father, for the world ever existed, set his fatherly love on you to be his child. From the heart of the Father, love that existed before time existed, flowing from that love, set his fatherly heart on you to be his child. Here's why this is so important. Adopted children don't earn their father's love. They respond to it. Adopted children don't earn their father's love. They respond to it. I mean, think, think with me about how adoption in, in the real world today works. Children don't line parents up out there, potential parents, and say, um, I, want, I might want that one to love me. I definitely don't want that one to love me. I think that's the one that I want to love me. It's not how it works. Potential parents look out and they just say, that's the one. I want you to be my family. I, I, I want my parental, fatherly heart, it's going to be set on you. You're going to be welcomed in my family. All that I have is going to become yours. All that I have is going to become yours. Adopted children don't earn their father's love. They respond to it, which is radically freeing. I mean, freeing when you know that. The source of our adoption, where it came from, is the eternal heart of the father Love residing in God before time existed. Now listen, every one of us in this room, 
every one of us sitting at home, watching, listening right now, we know this. We know that we were made for this kind of love. Like you were made for this kind of love. Love from the Father. You were made to belong in this family. You were made for it. We might not have the language for it, but we know instinctively that we were created for this adoption. For adoption into a family where love is unconditional and your place is secure. We're made for it. Adoption, it comes from love sitting in the heart of the Father. Love that we know we were made to experience. Where it's unconditional and your place in the family is secure. But there's a problem. There is a problem which takes us to point three, our third question. Why do we need it? Why do we need it? So the very word adoption shows us that there's a problem. It shows us that there's a problem, the the problem being that we are not naturally, innately children of God by nature. So if you if you um, if you watch like a TV fundraiser, you know where it's say hey, that we're gonna, I, I I I get pretty sappy, so I get sucked in, not so much with my wallet, but I get sucked into the fundraisers. You'll often hear something like this: We're all children of God. That's not exactly what the Bible teaches. It's not exactly what the Bible teaches. You see, adoption, to become children of God, it takes a legal action and a formal invitation by the Father. Legal action and a formal invitation by the Father, both of which happened. Both of which happened when the Father sent his Son away, sent his Son into the world to die on a cross, that when it was his blood that was poured out, you know what was happening? The redemption of your adoption was being purchased. And then when that curtain tore into, the invitation from the Father went out to every man, woman, and child under the sun to say, come on in, there's plenty of room in my family. My son has opened the door into my family, come on in. And you notice back in verse 3, we read it, it said that um, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of our Lord. You, you see, he, here's why this is so important. Because our adoption is not a generic adoption, it's an adoption in Christ. That when you have been adopted by the Father, you've been placed in the Son, united to the Son which means you don't just have a redemption and an inheritance. It means that you have the same love, the same security, the same place in the Father's family that the Son does. The same security, the same love with the Father that Jesus does, you have that. I mean, think about what's happening here. Like, think about what's happening in your adoption. When you've been adopted by the Father, you, an outsider, You, an outsider, invited by the Father into his family, brought in not simply as a guest, not not somebody who comes in, shares a hotel room, pays some dues, pays rent, invited into the Father's house, not as a guest, but as a family member. As a family member. And the Father saying to you, hey, listen, the same love that I have for my son, I have for you. The same love. 
The love of the Father for the Son is the love of the Father for you, invited in not as a guest but as a family member. And when you see adoption like this, you know what adoption becomes? The adoption of the Father for you, here's what it becomes. It becomes an act of divine hospitality. Of divine hospitality. Which takes us to our last question. What kind of presence does it lead it to? So an adoption is an act of hospitality. I think, personally, the, the most hospitable one that there is. But here's what adoption does. Adoption creates a hospitable people. A people who see the adoption of their father as this act of divine hospitality, it then creates a hospitable people. And listen to me, sojourn. Listen to me, sojourn. At home, here in the sanctuary, if our adoption doesn't lead to hospitality, then we don't understand our adoption. The adoption of the Father, it creates communities that treat one another not as men and women sharing a hotel. Not as men and women who are just passing by, but as family, not fellow guests, but brothers and sisters who don't put conditions on our love for one another, who extend the same security we have with the Father to one another and a community that opens their arms to their neighbors and says the arms of Jesus are wide open for you. Wide open for you. There is plenty of room in the Father's family. Come on in. Come on in. And you know the best way that we can live as a community who's, who are opening the arms of Jesus to every man, woman, and child in plain sight? Here it is. Live like family. Live like family. Fight, laugh, cry like family. Listen, 20 years ago, I became a Christian, and when I, when I did, I had a lot of doubts, a lot of wrestles, a lot of, um, at the core of it was this. I just didn't think I could belong. I, I, I knew what my life was like, and I, I, I knew what Christians were supposed to be like, and I knew the gap. And you know what did it for me? It, it wasn't somebody sitting down and answering my questions as dumb as they were. Some were legitimate and most were not, although they did that. You know what drew me in? Were these men who lived like family, who just loved one another and said, you know what, come on in. You can be one of us. The best way that we can be an apologetic community, putting this family on display for our neighbors, saying, come on in, there's room for you, is to live like family. And if you are new to Sojourn, um, here or at home online, listen, if, if hearing us talk about family and the church is a family and living like family, if that, if that sounds strange to you, I, I do completely understand. But I want you to know where it comes from. It, it comes from this, that for all of our distinctions, for all of our differences, ethnic, economic, for all of our distinctions and for all of our differences, what we share in common is that we have the same Father. We've been adopted into one family, sharing the same father. And Sojourn, listen to me. For us, for Sojourn at home, if ever there was a season, 
pandemic, racial tension, and injustice, and what will be a divisive election. If ever there was a season where we needed to look out and realize that love and security in this world are hard to find, if ever there was a season we needed to live like this for the good of one another and for the good of our neighbors, it's right now. Like if ever there was a time, if ever there was a season for us to lean in, press into one another, lean into one another, live like family for the good of one another and for the good of our neighbors, if ever there was a time for that, it is right now. It is now. There is a particular window of opportunity for us to display the family of God in Christ for each other and for our neighbors won't be significantly different than years to come, but there is a particular window where, in a world where, in a season where, insecurity and fear are heightened on display, easy to see everywhere around. We get to be this countercultural family, putting the opposite on display. If ever there was a time for that, it's now. We are here to have a hospitable presence for one another and for our neighbors because our adoption leads to hospitality, creates a hospitable people, people who live like family, because that's what they are, adopted by one father and one son. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the the chance to be together in person or online. Thank you for the words of this text and for our adoption that you would look out on us and that you would send your son to die for us, to open a place in your family for us. Let us never get over that. Let us never get over that. And Father, we we do ask that we would see our adoption for what it is, for its richness and its fullness. And it would create a hospitable people that we wouldn't lose sight that we're here for one another and for our neighbors. Help us, Lord, we ask. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.